Time will not allow this morning, but there is a testimony a brewing. There's a testimony a brewing. <laughs> There's a testimony growing. It's not fully got arms and legs yet, but it's well on the way. And when we talk about protection, provision, and progress, there is a major breakthrough afoot. So that's all we'll say just for now. But hopefully when we bring the testimony, it will really encourage you. It will help you, inspire you, and show you that God knows what he's doing. Even with a numpty like me. Amen. Bless God. Now, I'm taking my time slightly because I can assure you the pace will increase in about two and a half minutes. The pace will increase. You may, um, many of the scriptures that we're going to use this morning, and there will be a few, you may have time to turn to, you may not. Either way, I will quote them, and we'll pick up from there. What I want to do is pick up a rabbit trail of where we left off last time we ministered, and then start to unfold something for us. Now, we're not going to grab the entire picture this morning because the picture is like this. So we're going to peek through the curtains and we're going to look at something. But hopefully this morning, it will inspire us, it'll put us on the page, it'll move us forward. So without any further ado, let's pick up from Luke 8 and verse 14. It declared this, the seed which fell amongst the thorns, these were the ones that, were, um, that you heard. They go their own way and they, the seed was choked. The riches of pleasures of life um, do not cause it to bear fruit and they bring no fruit to maturity. We talked last time about distractions. Do you remember before Christmas? We spoke on distractions. We said the distractions that come in life is normally worries, riches, pleasure. What's the end result? No maturity. We said this is not people. They're not bad people. These are not people who go out to cheese God off or just to be awkward. Life often gets in the way. We want to do our best. We want to move forward. We want to be like the king. We want to carry the life. We want to carry uh, light. We want to be salt and light into our communities. But life often gets in the way. Would that be fair? A fair assumption. We're giving it a good go, but we don't always get there. Yeah? It doesn't mean that we've got bad hearts. It means distractions will often get us um, into more trouble than it can, than we can often deal with. Pastor Tony started to deal with last week elements of the kingdom. Yes? Anybody here last week? And one of the terms he used was emphasis. And he said that we use the term emphasis to say that something was given priority, it was brought to the forefront, it was made a, a, an issue of. And he started to talk about how the kingdom needs an emphasis. And he started to build that way forward. And if you remember, the scripture he declared was that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We read the scripture from Matthew that started to declare that the, one of the cries of the church should be, your kingdom come. But the whole process is, as soon as we start lifting the lid, the Pandora's box on what is the term called kingdom, we're like this, are we not? We're not going to be able to contain it. It's like herding cats this morning if we start grabbing hold of this thing. But yeah, as we started to make the note before, this morning, like a nosy neighbor, we are going to peep through the curtains and look into a small element of what the kingdom is. If we start to try and unveil everything, it will overwhelm us in one go. 
Do you know what? When we use terms like, let's go to the place called finish. Well, what's the place called finish? Well, it's the finish bit. Well, what is the place called finish? Well, it's the bit at the end. Well, how do I get to the end? All the time, the journey seems too far away. It becomes unmeasurable. It almost seems unattainable. So when we talk about, let's see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love it that if we're going to grab it without going on a side note or a rabbit trail, Revelation 12 starts to declare this. And there was war in heaven between Satan and the angels. And Michael and his angels fought against Satan. God didn't get involved. Michael dethrones Satan, and it says, and there was no place found for him. There was no longer a place found for Satan in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Simple, nutshell. There was no place found for him. There must be no place found for him. Do not give him a foothold. And if there's no place found, no place found, then there will be no place found. For the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. We progress and move forward with the very desire heart of God is because God said we make no room, we make no room, and now we take back the territory that had been lost. Is that simple enough? Okay. So far, so good. In John 9, verses 1 to 4, we declared this. Still on review at the moment. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is today... We must do the work of him who sent me. We must do the work of him who sent me. Christ is sent, but we must do the work of the Christ. Without raining on your parade without kicking too many sacred cows. And again, some things, I'll make some statements this morning. As our authentic group would know, we have a pointy stick. And there may be elements of pointy sticks this morning. But elements of pointy stick work like this. That we come to God, that we are saved, that we are born again. But the kingdom and the purposes of God is bigger than you being saved. The kingdom is bigger than salvation. The kingdom is bigger than just me saying, I've got my ticket to ride and I've got my insurance policy and I'm going to heaven. It's bigger than that, that we're moving through those stages as pastor's been teaching us from the believer all the way through to the sonship element. It's not just a process of walking into the kingdom. There are actually three elements to it. Again, we could do a rabbit trail, but we won't. We see the kingdom we enter the kingdom, we inherit the kingdom. Different processes and places that we find ourselves in life. But let me give you this into a nutshell, and this is where the pace starts to increase. So I'm glad I've been to the gym, and I've been on the treadmill, so I'm okay. So I'm not going to run out of breath just yet. So are you ready? If you're sitting comfortably, then we'll begin. 
it starts to work this way. When we see the role and purposes of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the patterned son, the only true-born son of the Father, he comes, he lives a sinless life, and he dies on the cross. So far, so good? Yeah. Stick with me because I'm going to stay biblical. So Jesus Christ dies on the cross for you and me. He's taken, he's buried in, into the, uh, in the grave. They put him into the tomb. While he's in the tomb, he descends, his spirit descends into Hades. When he's into Hades, he confronts the spirits of death, and he takes the keys of death and of Hades. Amen? He dethrones the enemy. He releases the captives from Abraham's bosom. He appears to be uh, before Mary. He says, Mary, don't touch me because I have not yet been presented to my father. He is then presented to the father, and as he's presented to the father, he's accepted as being the sacrifice, the blood of the lamb that takes away, away the sin of the whole world. The father accepts that sacrifice. He goes into the second veil. He goes through that second veil and makes a way into the, into the holy of holies for you and I so that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. That means that when we worship the father, we don't worship from afar off. We worship from inside the throne. Is that so far? So far, so good. So we find that we have all of these things. So what we actually see is that more was accomplished by Jesus Christ in the grave than he ever was on the cross. The place on the cross was the place where he died for us and the sacrifice was, was made, but the victory was made in the grave and in the death and resurrection. Without a resurrection, there is no salvation. So it's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that changed things. But we said there was a declaration of the Father. He has accepted in the role and the work that he's done. He's lived the blameless life. He's made the sacrifice. He's released and emptied Abraham's bosom. He now takes captive captivity. He presents it to the Father. It's accepted, and the Father makes a declaration. The declaration is this in Matthew twenty-two forty-four. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put the enemies under your feet. Another translation says, until I make your enemies your footstool. So Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, presented, after he's presented to the Father, he comes back. We see from it from Scripture. For 40 days, he explains the Scriptures to the apostles. He tells them what's going to go, and he gives them the promise, do not leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Ghost. See, I've been reading. So it's not just Mills and Boons in our house. So this is all the process that he starts to build, yes? So he tells the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Ghost. But Jesus Christ then sits down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The work of Jesus Christ, apart from interceding for you and me, is finished. The work of Jesus Christ is finished. When he said on the cross, it is finished, it's that prophetic declaration of saying, we've stepped into something. So we see that the work of Jesus has, has finished, yes? But that means ours has just begun. Because where Christ left off, that's where you and I pick up the baton and we continue from that place. Amen? Are we still on the same page? Again, taking some strings of the elements of things that have been said just recently. Again, Pastor Tony touched on the prophecy from Daniel, where he's in, um, they've been in captivity in Babylonia. 70 years, he starts to read and he sees from the scripture the revelation that the Holy Ghost brings to him is that the people will be in captivity for 70 years. He gets out his calendar, pulls through, he gets out his iPad and he goes, right, where's my digital calendar? And he works through 
And he clocks back and he says, we've been here for 70 years. So he starts to declare, my God, you said it would be 70 years and no longer. When he starts to make that prophetic declaration, there became an expiry date on the work of the enemy. There was an expiry date set down that says this far and no further. Why? Because it's for freedom that we have been set free. So now what we're going to do is you said we'd be prisoners till now. Now we're going to work our way out. Now's the day when the doors can open. Now's the day when we can start to move forward. Amen? So we're seeing the different elements. I know what you're thinking. Phil, where you going? Don't worry. Stick with me. We're still in first gear. But all of this process is to see the bigger picture. Remember, we're only doing this through the curtains this morning, but we will look through the curtains. Are you ready for me to kick some Sega cows? Good. We're going to kick some anyway. I grew up as a younger man than I am now, still being a young man. We grew up in a brethren church. You know, Pastor Tony's told you in the past. And our key doctrine was eschatology, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So everything we did was, let's look at red heifer sacrifices and let's see at the mark of the beast and the second coming in, this will happen and this will be on Wednesday and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And as Gwen told us uh, some months ago, it was absolutely wonderful that even in her day as a younger lady growing up, if you went to the cinema and Jesus returned, then you would be left behind. But if he was at the cinema watching This is the Story of Moses, then you would be taken because that was biblical. So as long as you were watching something biblical, you could go. But if you wasn't watching something biblical, then you stayed. Yes? And then we grew with an ever... Because the world in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you think things are upside down now. Through those years and those decades, life got pretty tricky. For those people who always thought the world is going to end tomorrow the child of the 60s and whether the Cuban bomb crisis was going to go off and the world was going to be taken off into Armageddon and at any time somebody's got the finger on the button. Then we grow up and we read things like Hal Lindsay's 1980s countdown to Armageddon and the prophetic word that came to the churches that everybody's going to be destroyed in the 80s, so get ready for the imminent return. And you know what? I know people who did this. They sold their pensions. They sold their houses. They got rid of everything. Why? Because Jesus is coming back again tomorrow. Well, we're now in 2015, and he isn't here yet. But I do believe that Al Lindsay never, ever gave any money back from those books and DVDs that he sold. But it doesn't make any difference. The issue is, there was the doctrine that came into the church, the doctrine of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That any moment, Jesus can return. Can he return at any moment? Is he going to return at any moment? Maybe we beg to differ, but that's a pointy stick for a little, oh, now you're looking at each other going, oh, eschatology. Hey, remember, this is our baby. We can play with our baby. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures. Set something in place. Just playing with you a little bit this morning. That's part of the bigger picture. Now, we've already said that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father until the enemies are made your footstool. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Revelation eleven fifteen declares this. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. 
In Revelation 22:17, it declares this. Now the spirit and the bride say, come. I believe this this morning. I am not saying this is a global doctrine. I'm saying this is what I believe this morning. But I'm willing to be challenged on it. And that is, I believe that Jesus Christ cannot and will not return until the church has done its job and come to its full position. So if the church has to come to its full position and it take its true place on the earth and move in the way that he wants it to move, the spirit and the bride cannot say come. And if the spirit and the bride cannot say come, then there's no imminent return of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that he's going to appear tomorrow morning when I go to sleep. I'm afraid I'm driving the car. All of this stuff is great. We know that there is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a glorious hope for us, yes? But the imminent return of I will fly away, O glory, we were raised on a doctrine that said this. God's good, the devil's bad. But the devil is bigger and graining more power on a daily basis than God can handle. So we're, there's us, we're a little remnant, sat four of us in our little church waiting. And all the time we're saying, come and rescue us, O Lord, from this big bad world. But the message of Jesus Christ is, you are going to transform this world. All the time... It's very easy to adapt a doctrine which is about me and about my selfish approach to life that says, it's you and me, God, now whisk me away. Now what we're going to do is, I've seen it, I've been, wasn't an awful lot there, but you know when you go up to Gretna Green and they used to have the blacksmith shop and they had the anvil and it was a case of, you girls won't know, so I'll explain for you, it's where you can elope. So all you needed to do was you could literally go and the blacksmith would marry you. And so people would often go and say, right, we're going to roll out. We're not going to have the big family thing. We're not going to have the big wedding. We're not going to have all of the guests. It's going to be you and me and a dog named Boo. We'll jump in the car. We'll go to Gretney Green. We'll see the blacksmith. We'll pay him a fiver and then we'll be married. And people eloped. The impression that we have in church is it's about me and Jesus eloping somewhere. Stuffed a lot of you because I don't care about what happens to the rest of you. Me and Jesus are going to have this wonderful uh, moment. We're going to be carried away into the love chamber. And I don't care if you've got a hell in a handbasket. Me and Jesus are having a moment, if you don't mind. That has generally been a doctrine which is the unspoken doctrine that we live with. We live with about, it's just about me and him. And he said, no, each individual is part of a body. I place you in a body, and can the eye ever say, I do not need the ear? It's not just about me. It's about us. But you're like, um, I'm sure that you'd like me to back something up with Scripture with the statement that I've made. Would that be fair? Well, you know me, I'm always going to do that. I'm going to read from the Amplified, but I will tell you, I'm going to read from Acts 3.21. Go back in your own time, read Acts 3, 18, 19, 20, 21, just for time that we're reducing this down. We've often talked and we've quoted in our times of refreshing, repent and be baptized that you may receive spirits of refreshing or times of refreshing. 
And it was great because when we had Pensacola, when we had the uh, movement that flowed out from Toronto, it was all about my time of refreshing. Yes, and that's where we left the scripture. But when we read on, there's something that maybe holds slightly more weight than we think. So you read the context of the verses before. Then the scripture says this, speaking of Jesus Christ. Heaven must receive him and retain him until the time for complete restoration of all that God spoke of of his mouth through his holy prophets from the ages past. I'm reading from the Amplified in this. So Jesus Christ must be retained. Heaven receives him and it must retain him until the time of complete restoration. Again, because of timing, look at the full context, read those verses that come before and read the verses that come after. We're not just lifting one verse on its own. But when you read that, you'll find that eschatology-wise, it holds weight. That when you break down into the Greek, it's the right context. When you break down, it's in full context of everything that comes down. Just start to read that verse. But the issue is, and we're using it just as a kind of brackets this morning, is that heaven must retain him, it receives and retains him, until the time of complete restoration. The restoration to come is that the kingdom will be established, and the kingdom is going to be established through who? Well, thank you for your underwhelming response this morning. No wonder he's staying. I can book my holidays and say, I will claim my pension. I'm not going to cash it in just yet because none of you is ready and I'm not ready. So he isn't coming back tomorrow, is he? Even though I've got lots of years before I claim my pension. Brackets, if I had one. (laughs) The time of complete restoration. Pastor Tony's been teaching starting to build, we lay the platform. So the foundation stones fall like this. The Christ is revealed, the church is reformed, and the city is transformed. Is that what we've been declaring? You see, sometimes we can say, well, is that the buzzword for the year? Is that your strap line? Is that your mission statement? No, it's called Bible. It's called finding the heart of the king. Remember what the dream center is, is here for. It's here to reflect the dream of the king. Do your own Bible study if you want to know where those scriptures are. We carry the dream of the king, and the dream of the king is that Christ will be revealed in your life and in my life. And because of that, the church is reformed. It becomes what he wants it to be. And because of that, it cannot help but have an influence on its communities, on the cities, on the nations. There is that transformation that comes out. So let's start again to change direction. Because we've laid the foundation, and the foundation was this. Distractions will get us. True? That we saw the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. We see that God holds him and sits him at the right hand until the enemies have made his footstool. That heaven must receive and retain until. Then we come to the place of saying that the role of you and I is to be the arms and legs and carry on where Jesus Christ left off. That's the bit we don't like. Do you know why? Because I'll never feel holy enough. I'll never feel righteous enough. I'll never feel like I'll know enough. I'll never feel like I prayed enough. I'll never feel like I'm smart enough. I'll never know that I'll know enough. And in all that enoughing, have you ever come to that place of getting sick and tired of being sick and tired? 
And you're getting sick and tired of being sick and tired of knowing that you don't know enough. And then they're not knowing enough and knowing enough. You get sick and tired and being sick and tired, you don't know enough. So not knowing enough, you're getting that cycle that just goes round and around. And you know it goes round and around because you don't know enough of how to get off the cycle. That's clear as mud. Now, we joke slightly there just to show that the process will go round and around. And if we don't do something about it, nothing ever changes. Every day becomes Groundhog Day. Every day we keep saying, Lord, we need you to break out. God, I want to do this. God, I do that. Lord, I've met you at the altar. Lord, you were wonderful through your word. It was beautiful when we sang songs. It was great when we just encountered you this morning. Nothing changes. Nothing changes because you as an individual must be changed. I as an individual change that corporately we can change. And as corporately we carry that very heart and desire of God, things change to a massive degree. So here we go. Colossians 1, verse 27 and 28. We're speaking of transformation, aren't we? Transform lives. It says to this, um, To them God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me give you a little caveat this morning. Getting Christ in you is the easy bit. Getting Christ in you is the easy bit. Why? Because we are saved by faith through grace, and this is not of yourself, it's the gift of God. So when people accept Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour, and they accept him, Christ comes to dwell. Do we need to do Percy Panda? Are we all on the page with Percy Panda? I accept Christ... Christ comes in, the Father comes in, the Holy Ghost comes in. We don't need that. Get it back catalogue. So we all know about Percy Panda. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. The issue is you can't get him out. If we're going to see life's changed, we're going to see Christ revealed, we're going to see the church reformed and cities transformed, Christ has to come out. Answer to the world's problems right there. Sussed it. I should be prime minister. I'm no good at sums, but I've just worked it out. If we can get Christ on the outside, if we can start manifesting him, carry the life and carry the light, things change. For Christ in you is the hope of glory. So let's pick up the next bit. Romans 8 and 19. For even the whole creation brackets, all of nature, wakes expectantly and longs earnestly for the sons of God to be made known. All of creation waits eagerly in anticipation for the sons of God to be made known or revealed. I don't know if you noticed, it doesn't say all of creation waits for believers to be made known. All of creation is waiting for the soldier to be made known. For the servant to be made known. Jesus Christ is the pattern. 
So what's God looking for? Sons. Ladies, that's you also. God's looking for pattern sons. But all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation, it tells us, was held in frustration, waiting for you and I, waiting for the day. But heaven must receive, heaven must retain until. Sit here until. All of these processes is about you and I coming to position. You know, I used an illustration with Pastor Tony last time we did um, Authentic. I wrote some notes down. And you know, when Pastor Tony was talking about how that we must represent him and that when you can, you know, he went into the story about going to school and how things are in school. Kevin and I do certain, um, have certain clients who are schools and we found this, that a school is known for its performance statistics. If you can say it, performance statistics. I've got an A plus, B minus, C plus squared in bike riding. That's about as what I got. But you have everything where a school is known, known by how it performs, yes? And we will see, because we know what we're like, with shadows in the UK, people will move postcodes so that they can get into a specific catchment area, which means that your child will go to a well-performing school. Yes? Is that right? Have you noticed that in that, the school performs, that they get the Ofsted come in and they do the full review and they go over, this is the leadership team and uh, the leadership team do this and they take care of finance well and they build, build everything and the kids have got hope and they communicate well and the teachers are very interactive with their pupils and vice versa and he's well behaved. Read one of them sad Ofsted reports and that's the kind of stuff that you get. I said to Pastor Tony, church is the only place where we come where as long as we believe that the headmaster behaves himself, doesn't matter what the rest of the school does. So we sit here going, well, as long as Pastor Tony's praying and reading, it's good that Pastor Tony's in Denmark, because while he's doing what he's doing, we look good. Whereas when you go to school, the headmaster's going, Chris better behave because Ofsted's coming. I can be doing a great job as the headmaster, but if the kids are running riot in class, I get a bad report. In church, we go, I'll run riot in class, but he better behave. You've not seen how we changed it? Not that we're here for performance. We're not. We're not on performance. But remember, we are to bear much fruit. And the reason we don't grow is we don't come through to maturity. Why? Because of distraction. But if we have distraction and we never come to maturity, we never come to sonship, if we don't come to sonship and we don't reflect him, heaven must receive and retain until. We're the ones delaying the process. Sorry about that. We're the ones who delay that process. And all of the time, you know, it tells us how that the grandstands of heaven are cheering us on. They're waiting, they're the witnesses to life, how everything is working. They're waiting for something to change. And Chris starts to bear fruit and he's growing and heaven's right behind him. Come on, Chris, come on. Uh, distraction. Distraction comes. Don't say it was calf. You can blame him calf there all day. <laughs> Distractions come in for every one of us at different levels. But there is also 
something here that I'm just going to throw in. I'm going to give myself a one-minute rabbit trail. Rabbit trail goes like this. Be careful what you call success. I get a promotion. Things change. And now because of this promotion, I end up working harder. When I'm working harder, it takes me out of the process. And because I'm out of the process, I no longer can do authentic anymore. Uh, um, I can no longer be involved. The jobs that I was doing and where I was growing, involved in people's lives and them in mine, starts to get elongated. Why? Because now I have success. And I have the success that actually draws me away from the body which he placed me into. Be careful what you call success. See, the world would say that Moses got water from a rock. Look at that, beautiful. He got this stick, he hit a rock. Wonderful, that's what you call success. When you're in the desert and that everybody needs a drink and you hit a rock and it comes out and you go, wonderful, look at that. How is that for full on? We've got, I'm trying to think of a decent magician. Give me a decent magician's name. Who? David Copperfield. It's full David Copperfield here. <laughs> Tommy Cooper comes up, strikes the rock. The water comes out. Everybody's cheering. We've all got drink. There it is. Perrier, straight on tap, straight down. You want fizzy, unphysic? I believe how God does that. You're having sparkling or unsparkling? You put your bottle in, it's all different. Is that success? What Moses did caused him not to enter the promised land because God said, speak to it. He didn't speak to it. He should have hit the people and spoke to the rock. But instead, he spoke to the people and he hit the rock. And God said, because of that, you will no longer enter. The world says, look at that wonderful success. And God says, you think I'm impressed? You think I'm impressed? I can have cherry cola out there if I want. Be careful what you call success. There are so many things that happen and can come to us in our lives that we believe that God opens the door that we then class as success. If it takes you out of the body, it stops you becoming a son, it stops you becoming to the place of growing to maturity, it's not God that help? Slight bracket. So let's depart, start to pick up on something and give you a little bit of a history lesson this morning. And all the time when I was writing these notes, I was thinking, what do I leave out rather than what do I put in? And already I'm trying to put in too much. So we'll kind of work it out because we're not kids. But we see the difference between the Old and New Testament. New Testament starts in that wonderful in Matthew, does it not? Yeah. Ends in Malachi, starts in Matthew. In between that, for any of you who's ever done any reading and any studies, called 400 years of silence. It's the silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The hearts of the people turned away from God and for 400 years there was no prophet in Israel. Nothing is said. Getting back to that word, until... So in the until process, we see that the promise starts to come that Mary is going to have a child. 400 years of silence, Gabriel comes and he starts to declare that you will be with child. Oh, and by the way, Elizabeth is going to be having one as well. You're going, yeah, joking, Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, Liz, Liz, we met her at the wedding. Yeah, that one. Got Elizabeth, she's going to be with child. Her child is John the Baptist. Dad does not declare, his voice is taken away. Yes? Are we still biblical? So for 400 years, there has been nothing. John is born before Jesus. 
John is carried, history tells us, that his father was killed by Herod, and he lives in the wilderness place. It tells us in to tell Luke, is it Luke? I think it's Luke 1, Luke 1, 68. He says, and he grew in the strength of the Spirit. So all the time he's growing in something. And then he turns up on the scene. 400 years of silence, and then John the Baptist turns up. What a sight is John the Baptist. He is not turning up in his Armani. He is not turning up in his Lexus. He's turning up. He's dressed in the camel skin. He's got the full-on beard like Chris. John, he's very much like John the Baptist, Chris, really. He's got the full-on beard that's all given it some. He's got his staff. You just build that picture in your head. He's eating the old locust and wild honey. By the way, can I just tell you, if you do a Bible study, it's not locusts. He didn't eat locusts. Locusts and wild honey is a fruit. I had to check that out. So for, thanks, David. He wasn't there going, I'll have, he's got his little barbecue going, turning over the locusts. It's a fruit that he's grown in the wilderness. There you go, we can have that, it's free. So he turns up on the scene, 400 years of silence. God's not said anything. For 400 years, and if you do the history in that 400 years, how the Greeks come in and the temple's turned over and there's desolation, all the stuff that goes in the background, God stays out of it. Then he stands in the wilderness and he starts to declare. Now, what is the prophetic word? There is a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way. So John starts to declare. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not near. It's at hand. And he declares. Now, again, historically, I have to set their word for it because Google wasn't around in them days and Wikipedia. But if you look at it, they said almost a million people went through the process of coming to John to repent, to be baptized in the Jordan, to go and do what they did before. But at least I feel like I've started a clean sheet. I've started a clean sheet. I was bad. And then I've come and repented. Now I'll go away. Do I need to come back again next week? Because see, it's the birth of Catholicism straight here in, in this process. But you see that they've repented, but he declares the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John could not declare the kingdom and be that full demonstration. He could declare that he was coming. But he wasn't the kingdom. Do you realize that you will never, ever have a problem with you declaring the kingdom? A Jew believed continually and still does believe that the kingdom of this world will be restored to the Jews. Do you know that? They believe that not only do we get Israel, we get the rest of it. Don't be going quiet on me. Shall I back it up? Okay. All right, because I know you're asking. Acts 1, 5 and 6. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaking to the disciples. Then they gathered round him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And you look at how many times through the Gospels, somebody goes, is this the time when you're going to restore Israel? Is this the time when we're going to overthrow the Romans? Is this the time where we get to be top dog? A Jew never has a problem of the kingdom being established. We have a problem 
because we're very nice people and we kind of think you can never step on anybody's toes. But we see the process like this. John the Baptist declared, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus Christ comes and he's baptized in the Jordan. We're still being biblical so far, yes? He's baptized and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. He's tempted of the enemy and he comes back in the power of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 4, 17 says this. Jesus then starts with a new declaration. And the declaration, remember, he's been found in the temple. They turned around and went, now that kid's smart. What's his postcode? Because my kids are going to his school. His words that he says is, I am about my father's business. That's all he declares. But when he comes back in the power of the Holy Ghost, his message has changed. So from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. It's arrived. It's here. It's near when John preaches. It's at hand and it's here when Jesus starts to declare. Yes? Because Jesus says, I am the kingdom. And where I am, it is. That makes sense? Again, we can look. We're only looking through the curtains. Remember, it's like that as we start to address the whole issue of the kingdom. So where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom in the first place? If we said to you, Chris, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom, Chris? Chris, tell me the kingdom. Chris would say, that's all right, Chris, I'll fill you in. We start to ask, where's the kingdom? Because we want to see kingdom demonstration. We want to see kingdom manifestation. We say, sit here until your enemies have made your footstool. It must receive and retain until all of that process. But where's the kingdom? Luke 17, verse 20, 21 declares this. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. Meaning that a religious right, whether you're being a good boy this week, does not change the process of the kingdom. But he says this, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within. So where's the kingdom? Do you remember when we said before, when the meeting in the worship, we said that if I'm an ambassador and I'm a Drollsden tonight, if I'm in Australia, this is Drollsden. Because wherever I am, it's Drollsden because I'm an ambassador. So if the kingdom is within me, wherever I go, and reveal Christ, the kingdom must. It advances, it comes. Have we got some scratchy heads? The kingdom is within me, and as I look to see him revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory, where I step out, then the kingdom has advanced, and it comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, you made no room. I'm making no room. I'm bought with a great price. I'm a son of the living king. And when I step out, your kingdom comes. We'll carry on. 
Christ has to be revealed. In Luke 10, 8 and 9, it's a scripture that we used before where we said we'll try and keep our powder dry a little bit. So when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what he's offered you, heal those there who are ill, and tell them the kingdom has come near you. John the Baptist, repent for your kingdom, or the kingdom is near, or at hand, depending on your translation. Jesus Christ, repent for the kingdom is here. We go and we can declare, for the kingdom of God has come near you. Close through John, opens in Christ, advanced by us. So John declares, the kingdom's coming. Jesus Christ went, it's here. We declare, it's come. So we advance from that position. And all the time, do you realize, I'll make a statement, you might understand it or not, but I'll, I'll put a bit of fluff around it so you can. God is not Pharaoh. Do you know that Pharaoh said to the Israelites, make bricks without... When does God ever ask you to do a job or call you into position and not equip you for the task? Everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us. Is that right? The difference that we have is either we've not bolted it, applied it, grown it us, brought it to maturity so we can actually use it. But he gives us everything that we need to see the job done. Yes? So the kingdom of God is near you. Lay hands on the sick. Heal the sick. Do whatever. It's my indifference. It's my kind of either ignorant towards something or my inability to be able to apply it that stops that kingdom from coming. Now, I told you, didn't I, that last year that when Pastor Tony and I were in Malaysia, we had our day off and we went to Malacca. And we was on the bus in Malacca and there was the boy there with half his face missing. And everything inside of me that said, God, he just needs a touch from you. Because in my mind, I thought, do you know like how you can see somebody else's life in about three seconds? And you've got every stage that goes through. And you think, half his face missing. Will he be employed? Will he have a relationship? Will he grow a family? Everything goes like that. Building blocks in a moment. But instantly, you was overwhelmed with this thought of saying, God, he needs a touch from you. You go, God, if you don't touch him, what's going to happen? No decent health system isn't going to be running around. They're not having child line tapping up. Percy Pender or whatever he's got, Pudsy Bear, isn't running around with a bucket saying, let's fix this little boy. It's life. It's life in the place where they're at. There's lots of people like him. But in that cry of desperation, you went, God, he needs a touch from you. Then instantly, you felt that vacuum of going, what's in here? don't have words other than (laughs) to say you felt a complete inadequacy nothing rises up and goes my god your kingdom's coming near that boy but everything is being built and established in you and i that remember the scripture we read they said why is this man blind is it was it his mother and father sinned or was it him who sinned neither it's for the glory of god to be revealed Your life and my life are lined up 
we walk, we're found, we're placed in a house, we grow together, we build, the Christ is revealed, we're being our, have our lives reformed inside. Why? So that you and I become the carriers of glory. The term is the wrong term, but I'm going to use it anyway. That God shows off through you. God shows off because he's looking for hands and feet. He's looking for arms and legs. He's looking for people. And all the time, he's waiting. But heaven must receive and retain until. And in the until, you and I need to come and find that position. Tell them that the kingdom has come to them we can get caught in every argument that you want well we're using the term kingdom is that kingdom now is it kingdom to come is it the millennium kingdom is it when christ will rule is it when the enemies uh, um, change up for a thousand years will the kingdom come to an end when does it start when does it finish when's your calendar point where do you want to get on the part is the kingdom is living in me and i need to give it some responsibility But to give it responsibility, I have to give it responsibility by doing one thing, revealing Christ. People don't want to know my doctrine. They don't want to sit down and go, you know, it's only sad old Christians that say, David, what is your eschatological stance on the second coming? If any of you even knew what I just said. We want to kind of strain a gnat and not have lives that reflect him. Maybe we should know less and just do more. Instead of believing that I can't do more because I know less. Don't make me start on that. I don't know and I know and I go all that bit around again. Do you know, here's the thing. Oh, you start, don't start me off incompetently incompetent and I knew that I didn't know that I didn't know something. Flipping heck. The kingdom comes in us and to us so that it can move through us. The kingdom comes, gifting comes, we encounter God not for my benefit. We want to turn around and go, there was poor David. David's there in his wheelchair this morning. He's not, for those listening. David's in his wheelchair. And we walk over and go, this is it, a man of power for the hour. Roll over. David, this is your moment. You've just met, you've met the glory. We pray for him. We take him out of his chair. The grandstands roar. Even Chris looks excited. It's all, it's all going on. I roll him out. What's the first thing I do? I have just launched my healing ministry. See this video directly. Share it with your friends, Facebook. Get it on you. I've just tweeted. I've got me so many characters. I've just tweeted. Man chair, no more. See more at hashtag stroke glory of Phil. Everything becomes about me. Instead of invisible, he meets Christ and we leave him with Christ and I can walk back into the shadows. But the way that church has been built, it's been, church has been rubbish, so we need a superstar. Let's have somebody who can reflect church and say at least somebody makes it work. So if somebody makes it work, we're now going to stick on a pedestal and turn around and say, you all need to be like Phil. Thank you for that underwhelming response. (laughs) You all need to be like Phil. Yeah, and it's like, no, we need to be like him. 
We need to be like him. And each time, he is given the glory. Amen. Again, remember that all of creation longingly waits and expects is waiting for the sons of God to come through to maturity, to be revealed. Why that Christ is being reflected. So if we see this process of if I'm changed as an individual, when I come together and you're changed, you know church is different. You know somebody's not here with a pointy stick going, well, you are going to get off your backside this morning, aren't you? So uh, a good idea, shall we worship, shall we? Well, I don't know, I want a good day. United lost yesterday. So what? So what? We don't need continual prodding because we carry that life in each other. We spur each other on as long as today's called today. I've learned to fan into flame. I've learned to have a word with myself. I've learned to encourage myself in the word and get myself back into position. And when I carry him into the room and you carry him into the room, we sang the song, everything changes. But I sit here, empty pockets, empty life, waiting for David to bring him in. And hope that one day, this week, is David going to be the one who's going to carry the glory this morning? We're all looking for who else is going to be the one, who's going to be the fire starter that gets it all going. When it's me and it's you. We carry the kingdom, amen? I'll change tack slightly, because we could stay with the kingdom, but I'm not going to. This is a what do you leave in and what do you take out bit. Hopefully, it won't be the bit I should have left out. <laughs> we said that the kingdom comes in you to move through you, so that the glory of God can be seen. Can we agree with that? Is that a place of agreement? That's good. But let me start to tell you this. If there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. Shall I explain? I'll let a scripture explain it first. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. The needs of the crowd never go away. Do you know that? Do you know there'll always be needs? There'll always be a person who needs prayer. There'll always be somebody who needs healing. There'll always be somebody who needs a breakthrough. There's always somebody that is the most important thing in their world at any one time that they can ring you 24-7. Do you know that? So you think, there's Christ. Not like us who say we can do it and then I'll try and work it out. Jesus just does what he says he can do. Feed, feed the 5,000. Hey, get a boy here with a sardine sign. We're in. So we get sorted out. Any sickness, no problem. Rolls it all out. Whatever he needs to do, he does. But in the height of everything going on, Charisma magazine, somebody with a YouTube video, somebody's there with their smartphone recording somebody being raised from the dead or Jesus walking on water. He walks away from the glory to meet the glory. If there is no coming aside... There is no kingdom came near you. We'll go back to our distractions. Worries, busyness, and wealth will distract us from pursuing him. In pursuing him, Christ is revealed. 
If I do not go and pursue, Christ is not revealed. But life's good and I have success. But Christ is not revealed. If there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. Does this make sense? It says in Acts 4 and verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, wrong postcode, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. When you and I find ourselves in his presence in the Holy of Holies, learning how I can maintain my life in worship, and not be led by the rapping duo of Eminem this morning. Like the one who wrote myself, Eminem, Eminem. Oh, I forget it, forget it. <laughs> when I learn to delight myself in God, when I de- learn, uh, learn how to draw from his word, when I learn how to be led in the spirit, when I learn how to hear his voice, when I learn just as importantly when not to go as well as when to go, as when to pray and when not to pray, then the kingdom will come. But all of that is taught in the drawing aside. If the distractions allow me to break my maintenance walk with God, pursuing him, loving him for who he is, not from what I get, because I love him because I love him, in that process, I carry something in my life that makes me salt and light. Do you know, so much of the Christian world, if it read, would read everything, books about testimonies, books about healing, books about breakthrough, but never read his book. We want to read everything that tells you about they read this and their life changed, but I'm reading your book to find out how I change. Well, didn't they change by reading his book? I'm not saying that we don't have additional books, because we do. We write a lot of materials ourselves in-house, as you know. But the whole process is being aside with him will cause my life to be different. Now, here's a tack. Scripture declares, don't we, that by his stripes I am. Is there anything that cannot be healed? I don't know. I didn't read that book. That's next week's chapter. Is there any sickness that cannot be healed? Is there any sickness? Come on, I think we can have a bit more passion than that. Is there any, is there any sickness that cannot be healed? Can you do a Veruca? Start with a Veruca. Can you do a Veruca? Yeah. Toothache. Headache. Poorly arm. Sleepy leg. Right, we'll start somewhere and we'll build our way up to, we've not raised the dead just yet, but we're en route. Well, here's a great scripture for us. Because remember, this whole thing is not to beat us up. This is to put us on the page. Yes? So what about this then? Because we see the glory of God here in his compassion. This is from Hosea 14 and verse 4. Great scripture. Found it a while ago. and I use it to have a word with Phil occasionally. And I will heal. Is there anything he can't heal? their waywardness. Life gets in the way. 
Distractions. Busy. Finance. Worries of life. All that gets in the way. Did we not say at the start, life gets in the way that stops me doing what I want to do? God says, okay, I've heard you. How about I break through and I heal you of your waywardness? Thank you. <laughs> I will heal you of your waywardness. Because you can sit all day and beat yourself up, sat in your conservatory, your living room, doing whatever you're going to do, and say, God, I, I wish you would have prayed this week. God, you know how busy life's been. Do you, do you know how many of us get through on SOS prayers? And that's not salad on Sundays, by the way. SOS prayers, which is like, oh, God, I've touched me lucky rabbit's foot. All of that. I'm just going now. Will you help me? Oh, God, go before me. And we've done that. You know, we can't stay there. When I was a child, I acted like a child. But now I am a man. I put childish ways behind me. So I take responsibility of myself. And I say, God, if you're going to heal me of my waywardness, do you know, I've seen it. I've seen some of the best evangelists go out and the healing ministries, the different things. So you've got your Benny in, and it might be a case of, oh, I've got a poorly elbow. Oh, poorly elbow. Ah, oh, my elbow's poorly. Pray for him. Do you believe your healing's come? Yes, my healing. Right, push it. Use your arm. Use your arm. Wave your arm about. Wave your arm around. Show the crowd at the back. Hey, get this camera on this. Oh, look, he's waving his arm. Have you got a poorly elbow? Where was your elbow? What was your testimony? Oh, once I had a tennis elbow. No, I haven't. Brilliant. Wave your arm about. Oh, yeah, we did this one, the one was poorly. Yeah. And you wave your arm about, yes? So you now have a demonstration that something's happened. If we start to declare, my God, heal my waywardness, stop being wayward. If it puts us back on the page, don't keep falling off the page and say, put me back on the page, fall off the page, put me back on the page, fall off the page. He's helping us heal, and he's seeing that things are going to be turning around. As we said before, it said of the disciples, it was noted that they had been with Jesus. Who are you noted for? Is the first word that came out of your mouth this week? Who killed Ian Beale's kid? I only know that because I saw it on the BBC website. Spoiler alert, it was the kid. <laughs> Is the first word that comes out, did you see the football team? is the first word that comes out, let me give you my list of ailments. Let me tell you how bad life is. What is coming out of your mouth? So when it says, and it was noted that they'd been with him, where are you? Where's your secret place? Is your secret place, hey, I download on a Y50. What is your secret place? What is what you're drawing on? Shall I tell you a life fact? Time's gone. I'll tell you a life fact. Life fact works this way. If this is you, I'm not prodding you with a stick. I'm telling you to help you. But I can't do it for you. I can tell you. Often people who struggle to maintain relationship at this level and communicate and talk to people do not maintain this one. Because when you can't communicate, you can't be intimate, you can't trust, you can't build friends, you can't build stuff in your life, when you go here, it's amazing how quickly that becomes like brass. 
because I don't know how to maintain a relationship. Our cry is to say, my God, Father, I need to be, it sounds rubbish, and we're not all getting new age. I've got to be a people person. Do you know the great thing about if I read Christ? When I read Christ, Christ fits in any party. Christ fits anywhere. Where do you go? You're all right, you. You're not one of them weird ones. Have you had it when you've told somebody you're a Christian and after a little bit they've gone, well, I met some weird ones. It's amazing how many people tell you they met a weird one and not a good one. You meet somebody and they go, oh, I've met you a lot before. Do you know what? The last one I met, he was brilliant. He was brilliant the last one I met. He said, this, did that. Well, oh, great fella. They're always the weird one. You realize, not raining on your parade, you're the weird one. <laughs> Have a look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm the weird one. Do you know why? Because we suddenly cross Ghostbusters theme, never cross the streams. We get religion, tradition, my own philosophies, and thinking what people need, and we put it all into one package, and it makes you weird. When I'm a person who has compassion towards somebody else, I carry the Christ. My heart is that in the secret place I met with him, so when I turn up, the kingdom comes. Do you know that's the same bit? That is the same bit. On this note, I know it's TV editing, so I can't be too biased towards it one way or the other. But I've watched very little TV. It's not that because I'm super spiritual, I'm always in prayer in the word, it's tell is rubbish. So if there's something, I've been saved by God building rubbish telly, right? Because it doesn't provoke me in any way, so it's rubbish telly. But I found something I like just recently. GPs behind closed doors. And it's when all the nutcases come out. So I like looking at people, and the nutcases come out. All I need to do is talk to Em when she works in the pharmacy, and people think you're a doctor. Some of the stuff they want to show you and say, have you got any leeches for this? <laughs> you got all that stuff, but there was a woman who came in last week. And you go like that, oh, my God. I can see your passion, but do you realize what just came out of your mouth You've just destroyed me for the next five months. Woman comes in and she goes, <coughs> morning, doctor. This is paraphrasing, because <coughs> she didn't cough quite like that. <coughs> I'm in about me cough. Oh, what's wrong with your cough? Well, you see, it's work-related. Oh, right. Work-related, aren't you retired? Yes, but it's work-related. Well, what's your problem? Well, I'm in the healing ministry. You go, here we go. Here we go. I'm in the healing ministry, and we see what we do is we go into the enemy's camp, and when we go into the enemy's camp, we have to rile it up a little bit, and he doesn't like it. So this morning, <laughs> that's an attack of the enemy, that's it. <clears throat> and you can see the doctor go, you know, like... <laughs> so what, I'll give you some cough mixture. <laughs> oh, there it is, attack of the enemy again. And you go, oh, my Lord. I love your passion but you fall into the word bracket. <laughs> Flip side, Walter 
Hero Walter, gone home to be with the Lord. Led his doctor to the Lord. His doctor looks at him and says, what is different about your life? He shares Christ and leads him to the Lord in the surgery. Brilliant. Leads him to the Lord. <coughs> oh, there's the enemy again. Oh, See, we can laugh. I was there going, oh, my Lord. We've got to be carriers of that life. We've said an awful lot this morning, if we want to just stand to our feet. My intention was not to take us off in lots of different directions, but kind of touch some bases as we went through, because remember, all we were doing is peeping through the curtains. The end result, if we need to learn anything from this, is Christ must be revealed. To reveal him, I must spend time with him. And that when I meet somebody else, the kingdom has come near them. Life has got in the way, so at times I have to cry out to God and say, God, just heal me of my waywardness. But if I'm going to stop being wayward, stop being wayward. I'll have a word to the simple, stop being wayward. I'll have a word to the wise, stop being wayward. So come on, church, let's just raise our hands just as we finish. We say, my God, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit of revelation, Lord, that you've, you've said that you'll lead us into all truth. We pray this morning, my God, that Father... We want to be able to say, we want to be able to declare that the spirit and the bride say come. But Lord God, Father, we understand that Christ must be retained until we come into full position. This moment, we pray, Lord God, that you will heal us of our waywardness, Lord God. We repent of when we've deliberately stepped away from where you're going. And we say, Lord God, Father, let us not get caught in the muddiness of life, and the muddiness that can be called kingdom. But Lord God, I pray for the clarity of your word the truth of your word, the truth of doctrine, just to walk into us, Lord, as we walk into the truth. But Lord God, I pray this morning, Father, cause us to be carriers of your kingdom. Lord God, that Christ may be revealed. Give us testimonies, even this week, Lord, of where you broke out. And the way you broke out, lives were changed. Lord God, Father, help us, Lord God, where we've had barriers, where we've been hurt, where we've been let down, where we've been neglected, Lord God. Father, we thought, why trust again? Lord, we choose to trust again. We're choosing to say yes, Lord God. We're choosing to make friends. We're choosing to do life. That, Lord God, Father, we'll make it work horizontally so we can make it work even more vertically, Lord, to you. Father, we want to give you all glory and honor. We thank you for being in the house this morning. And we bless you and the people of God said, amen. Amen. Amen.